Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Authentic You Radio, and thank you for joining us today on Living Astrology, where we are tapping into the magic of the cosmos for practical guidance and wisdom with your host, Janet Hickox, intuitive astrologer and numerologer. Day. No, I don't mean apple cherry or peach pie, but the mathematical ratio of the circumference of a circle to its diameter kind of pie. You know, the 3.1415926 pie. Back in 1988, someone decided that it would be a good idea to celebrate uh, pie. And so March 14th became the logical day to celebrate pie. And so today we are celebrating Pie Day. And yesterday was palindrome day. A palindrome is a word or phrase or a number which can be read the same way either forward or backwards. So yesterday's date being 3-13-13 makes it a palindrome. Fun, huh? You can always count on a Gemini to give you the fun facts you didn't know that you needed, right? Uh, So, how's everybody doing out there? I know I've heard from a lot of people this week about the energy and how they've just felt so lethargic and and sort of out of sorts and foggy. And I'm guessing that most of you are feeling like you're sort of coming out of that now. So let's look at what's up in the sky for the coming week. Um, You can thank Mars and the Moon for both having moved out of Pisces or out of the Pisces stellium and into the more action-oriented sign of Aries. Uh, for the change in the uh, general atmosphere of things. Um, It will continue to get better this week as Mercury moves back to direct motion on the 17th, and that will sort of clear the air. Things may begin to seem a little more normal. Uh, There may still be a few days after that even where some things may be wonky, but for the most part we're heading in the positive direction. Then on the 20th, uh, which is the spring equinox, The sun will join Mars and Aries, and so then the party really begins to get started because the very next day, Venus joins the Aries party. So that makes the sun, Mars, Venus, and Uranus, who has already been in Aries since 2011, all in Aries. So, phew, it's a good thing we had some Piscean downtime as energies are really ramping up. By the way, next week's show will be all about the spring equinox and what we might expect over the next three months. Here's a hint. A solar eclipse, two lunar eclipses, and Venus emerging as the evening star are among some of the exciting transits occurring during this coming spring. So tune in next week to hear more about what's coming up. And now, it is with great pleasure and excitement that I get to introduce my guest today, Laura Walker of OracleReport.com. 
She is the author of Eris, Archetype of Shadows, Crisis, and Awakening at the Completion of the Mayan Calendar, which chronicles her journey through the desert to discover the nature of the planet that changed the solar system. And she's also the author of The Astrology of the Black Moon, Guide to Healing the Shadow Side, which reveals the powerful transits of the death and rebirth cycle governed by the planet ancients called Tiamat, the planet between Mars and Jupiter, whose shattered remains are now the asteroid belt. Laura hosts oraclereport.com, where her books are available for free download and where she posts a daily energetic analysis. Her other site, mahavidyaproject.com, is dedicated to exploring the personal teachings of the Mahavidyas, wisdom goddesses of prehistoric India. Welcome to Living Astrology, Laura. Thank you, Janet. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, and I'm so happy that you're here, too. And I apologize right now if I totally butchered that word. I was looking for its pronunciation earlier today and couldn't find it. <laughs> you so, did great. Mahavidya. <laughs> Mahavidya. Ah, all right, awesome. Well, I, I, maybe we'll have you back on another time to talk about that uh, project because it seems very intriguing as well as the subject matter for today, which, of course, is all about the black moon. Now, she's also called Lilith. Is that right? Well, there are a lot of different things called either the black moon or the dark moon or the black moon Lilith, and they're all talking about different things. Um, When I refer to the black moon, I refer to it just as the black moon, and it's the point in space, as I talk about in my book, that was referred to in ancient times as Tiamat, and it's no longer there. It was destroyed in some way. Um, And currently, the black moon today is located at 20 Gemini 22. So if people are trying to, if they're looking at different uh, ephemeris, they can maybe figure out which one I'm talking about, because they're different. Definitely. Okay. Well, now tell me, how did you become interested in the black moon? Where did this all begin? (laughs) (laughs) That's a question, isn't it? Um, (laughs) Well, it started, uh, well, a while ago. Uh, My teacher, I, I... basically was taught astrology in an apprenticeship kind of method, and she introduced me to it, and, and we looked at it and studied it for a while. And I was interested in it and kept going with it, and it came out, I started studying it more when I wrote my book on Eris, because the, the energy of Eris and the black moon are tied together, as all feminine energies are, by the way. You know, they're all faces of the one goddess. So we're really talking about one thing when we're all when we're talking about female energy, just different aspects of it. Right. And right, the the book, um, you know, it's funny because I have to go to my book and look and reference all the time, and I'll read it, and I can't even believe that I was the one that wrote it because it never felt like that. It was more like it was <laughs> a download, and then over time, I could, you know, kind of take pieces of it and write about it. So it was it was a pleasure to do though, and I'm and I'm still learning about it. And the great thing is, other other astrologers have picked it up and share what they've learned about it. And that was my intention with the book because it's written for astrologers. Right. I think I actually stumbled across the book accidentally one day. I I didn't. Uh, a friend of mine actually was uh, was a, a fan of your oraclereport.com, and I hadn't really been there. And one day I thought, what the heck? I'm going to go check this out, and I came across the book. Um, that you have online, and it was, you know, free, even though I think I actually paid because I thought maybe it was a donation type thing. And when I read it, I couldn't believe it. It was just so, 
so well done and so clear and and you know in it you address several different things i mean from uh the mythology um of inanna and then how you know the the black moon what what the dates are where it appears in people's uh charts to the transits of it and and the location by house and sign it was all so inclusive well, so is that you. you're saying all that got downloaded to you yeah it was it was a download and uh you know it's it's such an amazing thing to do in astrology to to work with the black moon because it is like no other planet or or entity astrological en- <laughs> entity that you work with because it's precise and you can it's just you can track it and you can give clients the day that they that it's probably going to start they'll start feeling it and the day that they're going to feel it go away and the the release and the relief that they feel during that time you know how much better they'll feel and there's I've never seen anything work so precisely in astrology right right and I've uh you know been using it oh I think I probably downloaded that book almost a year ago so I've also been uh, using it in my own chart readings and sort of, you know, tracking how that's playing out by transits and so forth. Yes. Uh, but now for – oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that it, the way it works is pretty simple. It Once it gets within three-degree orb of conjunction or opposition to a planet – it starts basically in taking the person down. It's basically, if you think about the myth of the phoenix as it descends to the ashes, it will continue during that three-degree transit until it makes that direct hit to the minute, to the day that it goes to the minute. And then the, the release, the uplift comes as if the phoenix was being reborn. So it's it's perfectly timed. That's great. And now uh, this the black moon actually represents the person's shadow self. Is that right? Sort of the, yes. the fear that may take them down in this lifetime? Yes, basically the, the shadow side of personality and behind that, what fuels that is, is a primary fear. So depending mm-hmm. on what uh, the natal black moon sign is, we'll, we'll pinpoint the fear. Um, you can look at it in the house sign also and and see exactly the the way that somebody might be sabotaging themselves in life and repeating patterns and undermining themselves in in a, in a certain way and judging themselves um <laughs> but it also shows some really nice things too it shows us how we know true love because anytime you work with the black moon you're always going to be dealing with two things i don't care what it is anything about it just like it's a death and rebirth cycle it will always bring, you know, something that is more negative and then something that would be more positive, which is different because a lot of, well, historically, this has been treated as, you know, something that was malefic in some way, and it's that's it's really much more complicated than that. Well, it's like anything else, I think. You know, if there's something that's in the dark or something that we have to fear, until we shine a light on it in some way, it, we really can't even address it properly or give it uh, its proper perspective and... Um, even affect some kind of change to see it healed in, in our own lives, right? I mean, that's the, the beauty of knowing something like this. Yes, it is. And so a lot of times when people, when we first discuss it with them, they really can't take it in. They kind of go into a state of cognitive dissonance because it's basically shining that light on that unconscious side. And sometimes it'll take someone who might be with them to say, yeah, you know, remember how you do this and see how you do that. And then they can kind of see it. But at first it can be too much to take in because it's like staring truth in the face. I know. Is, you know, the first time hard. I looked at mine, 
when I discovered it, I went, oh, oh no, my my Lilith is sitting, you know, like at 15 degrees Leo or something, and and I I went, no, that's not me, <laughs> not me at all. <laughs> and then it haunted you, right? And you had to keep it going back me. to it. Yes, yes, <laughs> absolutely right. When I my destiny is also in Leo, so. Uh, I figured it was there to provoke me in some way, and and I, I would guess that for our listeners out there, that's even the same thing that you could look at as it sort of provokes you to become much more than what maybe you've allowed for yourself, depending on where it's located in your chart. And in what science specific, yeah. I think so. It's, it's going to tell you a lot about yourself, and, in, and I believe it is key to um, an evolutionary process, a process of conscious ascension. You know, we have to integrate that side of ourselves because that's, uh, that's hidden. You know, we don't tap into that, and therefore a lot of our power goes into feeding the fear that, that fuels it. And the book, I, I intended to write the book so that there would be, um, you know, some practical advice on what to do. Okay, this is your black moon. Once you know what it is, how, how do you work with it? And, you know, each sign has specific things that I suggested to try and, and start integrating it, you know, into awareness. Yeah, and I thought I found that very valuable, too, because not only are you identifying it, but then you're giving us some, you know, hints and tools uh, to be able to work with that energy. So... Um, for our listeners out there, today we're interviewing Laura Walker from theoraclereport.com, and we're talking about the black moon, the shadow self, if you will. And um, if you would like to call in and talk to Laura or, or to myself, that would, number would be 877-296-0345. And, you know, Laura, I also noticed that um, you had another book out that I hadn't even heard of, uh, and that was about Eris. Yeah. And in my mind, is Eris the asteroid that was discovered recently in the last couple of years, right? Right. It became a dwarf planet, maybe. Dwarf even. star, right. That's right. Yeah. She's a dwarf planet, and basically after she was discovered, you know, everything changed within the definitions of the solar system. But that was um, – I, I, um, I actually went out to West Texas where it was first spotted, where it was first spotted with human eyes. It was amateur astronomers that actually discovered her. And I went out and I interviewed the people. You know, that's that was the way I learned when the books that I read. You know, when when they were learning about what is what is Uranus about when it was discovered. Well, you look at what was going on at the time, Industrial Revolution, and then with Pluto, we had the Atomic Age. And so when Eris came along, I said, "What does that? What does this mean? What does this signal about? You know, the world and what's happening?" And I had a very interesting journey out in Texas, and I love Texas and would love to go back as soon as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I actually lived there myself for a short time, uh, maybe two years. I lived down in uh, San Antonio area. It was beautiful, but overly hot, I thought. It, it's a little hot. I was in Austin, but um, that's just a wonderful, wonderful place. If anyone listening has never been to Austin, San Antonio area, you really need to go. It is. It's very beautiful, yeah. Now, going back to... Um, something you said just a few minutes ago, you said something about the evolution of consciousness. And I think that's absolutely a fascinating phrase as it stands alone even because of the whole Mayan calendar and that my understanding, the Mayan calendar's purpose was about the uh, identifying the evolving consciousness of humans. And it looks like you had even sort of identified um, Eris with that uh, time period and with the Mayan calendar. Can you explain a little bit more about how that works? Yes. 
basically the the Eris energy is about waking up um, to whatever is restricting us, any type of limitations. She does not like to be bound by anything. And so that energy coming into consciousness is really when I think that that people started waking up to the world and things that were going on and seeing things in a different way. Um, And the mind calendar, you know, was timed in with all of that. Um, You know, there were, of course, you know, different theories about all of that, but really that's what it was. That's what it was talking about. And Eris is about freedom and the love of freedom and justice, and it rules Libra, in my opinion, um, or at least is one of the rulers of Libra. I treat it as the ruler of Libra. And it's, you know, it doesn't move very much. The Eris, it's still pretty much where it was discovered at 21, 22 Aries. And um, that point is actually really, will be hit. It was hit for this Pisces new moon, and it's going to really be hit for the Aries new moon. That that, The Eris energy is really going to be activated there. But that's another subject. (laughs) Yeah, but that, it's really interesting because now what does Eris in, in, um, in archetypal words, what does she actually represent for us? Is she sort of uh, a disruptive force, or is she the uh, emerging feminine? I mean, tell me more about what she represents. Yes, it's absolutely the emerging feminine, and the feminine back to um, egalitarian type of society where things were equal. Um, the heiress, I trace, you know, through mythology what 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 the goddess was called at the time. It's Isis. She's Erish Kegel. She's Anana. She, um, Zena, I even talk about Zena, the warrior princess. That's the archetype of Eris. It's the, it's the warrior. It's, you know, she's called goddess of chaos and strife, but it doesn't really work that way. And she's tied in intimately with the black moon because I think that the black moon is really how you can see the Eris energy in a chart, whereas if the Eris was a macro um, astrological factor. You can um, put it in more of a micro level with the Black Moon. They are tied together. I wrote I, I wrote initially about the Black Moon in my Eris book. Oh yeah, in fact, I think I did see that in there. Um, it, it just this whole thing is so fascinating how the mythologies developed, and um, you know, there's various places that it seems like this this uh, energy shows up. I mean, when you talked about um, that that the Black Moon was the, the residual pieces of the planet Tiamat. And I remember reading about Tiamat in a mythology that uh, talks about the Anunnaki and going way back to the, what, Babylonian and Sumerian times. Mm, yeah. So this seems like it's a very old um, archetypal energy that maybe we're just becoming more aware of at this point in time. Yes, I think so. You know, um, I, str- I struggled a long time with that to understand that piece of it, what it was exactly. And, um, you know, at, in the esoteric days, um, Ivy Goldstein talked about it as, a, as an etheric second moon, which I think is actually a pretty good description of it because even, you know, it's now an asteroid belt, but the cohesive energy of it, it remains at some level intact. And affects us because it's harmonic. You know, we understand this that it, that astrology is harmonics and electromagnetics, and it's still there. You know, it, it looks different than what it did. Um, this is the way you know I understood it to be. But in I even write about how we really can't. I don't think we'll ever really know exactly what it is because it's an intangible type of body, and part of it remains hidden for a reason. 
and uh, <laughs> yeah. there's a reason that it's that it's coming out now. So I um I hope that people will get it. Astrologers will get it and look at it and and be mindful. I always try to give the warning that you have to be really gentle with this information about someone's black moon because it does tap into the primal instinctual level and it can. Um, you know, it can kind of set things off. So you always want to make sure that people have a good support system. It's not scary, but it can trigger some people. And so we need to be good stewards and, and think about, you know, people being able to take on the information. Right, and putting it in as positive uh, a way as you can so that you're not setting them up for some sort of uh, disaster in their life or something, some traumatic feelings that come up around it. It is, and exa- it's exactly that. But it, but it also, I always tell people, it is always two sides. You have to remember that it will be a death and a rebirth, and it's never just a death. It will bring something back new. Right, right. So again, just to remind our listeners out there, I'm speaking today with Laura Walker from OracleReport.com, and if you have questions about the Black Moon, then please feel free to call in at eight seven seven two nine six. 0345, and we'll be happy to take your questions. You know, I'm wondering, Laura, if maybe there, you can run through, I know there's 12 uh, placements that the moon, could, the black moon can be in, but maybe you can give us just a quick rundown on what it means maybe in each sign. Sure, um, and people can um, download the book for free on my website, oracleport.com, and in the back there's like a mini type of ephemeris, and you can just look um, where your birthday falls and it will tell you the sign that your natal black moon is in. You won't be able to tell the degree because it's just a very abbreviated ephemeris, but you can at least get what the um, sign is. So the black moon in Aries is the shadow of success, and that deals with feelings of unworthiness um, and how we measure up. The black moon in Taurus is the shadow of security, and that deals with um, all things related to security and comfort and scarcity. Um, consumption. Um, the Black Moon in Gemini, which is the the shadow of acceptance, and it deals with the fear of rejection. And I wanted to mention that um, the Bla- I mentioned that the Black Moon is in Gemini right now. It w- on April 11th, 2013, it will go into that um, cycle. The Black Moon will oppose the galactic center. It will go within the three degree orb of conjunction. So between April 11th, 2013, and May 7th, 2013. Um, the black moon will be opposing the galactic center, which is going to be very, very interesting about how I things are are going to kind of, we're going to see a, a breakdown in, in a lot of areas, and then we're going to see something begin to come back up. That's a key period to, to watch. That's going to be a very interesting month. Yeah. Well, and it also looks like that, you know, the the eclipses are falling right in there as well. Mm-hmm. So there will be a lot be- happening. Yeah, a lot happening in that time period. Um, the black did you moon say cancer, what the Gemini black moon was? Oh, yeah, acceptance, yes. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm, fear of rejection. The black moon in Cancer is the shadow of support, and it deals with fears about abandonment and about how one how much um, one feels supported by people. The black moon in Leo is the shadow of order. It's the fear of change. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we won't go into that anymore for you. <laughs> Thank uh, you. But, you know, you're in good company there because there were so many interesting people with the Black Moon and Leo. You know, I do some case studies at the the end of the book, and some of my favorite people have Black Moon and Leo. Um, (laughs) Black Moon and Virgo is the... Yes. Black Moon and Virgo is the shadow of ability, and it deals with fears about failure. 
and it can be a really hard uh, placement of it. Black Moon in Libra is the shadow of perfection, and we'd work with the fear of loneliness and isolation um, and, and judging ourselves very harshly. Black Moon in Scorpio is the shadow of death. That's uh, fear of loss. And people with that um, usually have issues concerning winning and losing and, and what that means. Black Moon in Sagittarius is the shadow of truth, and that fear is the fear of uh, meaninglessness and dealing with issues of honesty and integrity. Black Moon in Capricorn is the shadow of control. It's fear of neglect and not being acknowledged. Mm. Black Moon in Aquarius is the shadow of power, and that's the fear of powerlessness, and that's going to involve issues with power struggles, power um, issues, discipline, things like that. And finally, the black moon in Pisces is the shadow of trust, and it's a fear of um, being vulnerable, and it deals with trust issues people have. Great. That's a gr- I can just see, you know, people's charts that I've done and how this plays out in their lives. Um, it, it's just fascinating to me how, how this little, this one little piece can really fill in a lot of blanks uh, for people yeah. and why they can't move forward in some ways. Yes, absolutely. And any time you, um, you know, if you're able to look at it, you can also see if there are any aspects to it. I don't use, I don't believe there's any, um, it doesn't work as well or at all. I haven't found it to work at all on square or sextile or trine. It's basically conjunction and opposition. And midpoints, if it hits a midpoint, it will, it will trigger. Hmm. So a midpoint, meaning between the midpoint between two planets, if it's sitting there, then it, is it triggering the energy from both of those planets? Or yes, yes, and it'll ah. trigger the the natal black moon. Anytime there's a transit of the black moon to any planet, it will trigger trigger the natal black moon. Interesting. That is so fascinating, especially because you know one of my favorites besides the black moon is also the galactic center, mm-hmm. and uh, I've been already very aware that the black uh, moon and also Jupiter are going to be sitting um, in opposition to uh, the galactic center coming up here. And I just wonder, because, you know, Jupiter, uh, being a large planet, acts almost as a, um, a a vacuum cleaner, kind of sucking things into us and maybe pulling in some energies uh, that we're unfamiliar with. So it ought to be a really interesting spring, don't you think, with Black yes. Moon yes, it and, is. Uh, and Jupiter? Ever since Jupiter... Um, went into Gemini, and the black moon's been in Gemini, it's just basically made black moon and Gemini that much bigger. And so, so much rejection and fear of disappointment and relationships, the black moon and Gemini really affects relationships, as you could imagine. Yeah, I bet it does. I'm glad I don't have it there. I have enough going on there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, Laura, we're running down on time here, so I want to make sure our listeners know where they can go to get their copy of your books. Uh, so why don't you tell us your website and maybe you know how to navigate to that point in your in your website. Sure. It's oraclereport.com. And at the top there are tabs. It says books. You just click on it there, and it will take you right to the page where you can just download the books right from there. They're free. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, and I think, you know, even people who aren't as familiar with astrology can gain a lot by by reading through it. I mean, it's certainly, you know, interesting information, and I think you wrote it from a very uh, good clarity piece. So uh, most anybody could probably pick it up and at least have, you know, an idea of what's going on. Yeah, I Um, hope so. 
Yeah, I have a listener that wants to know. They didn't catch what Taurus was. You want to run through that one real quick? Yes, it's the shadow of security and the fear of scarcity and not having enough, not having what one needs to get by. It can manifest in um, hmm, conspicuous consumption sometimes. Um, it can it can manifest with eating, anything that people do to make themselves feel more comfortable and secure. Um, if that's where it Overdoing will show it, up. Overdoing it, kind of. Yeah, in an it, attempt <laughs> to yeah, in an attempt to feel um, more more rooted and established. Oh, great, Laura! Thank you so much for joining me today. I swear I'm going to have to have you back on because there's so much more we could have talked about. <laughs> thank I mean, you. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Yes, um, absolutely. So again. Uh, you can reach uh, or go to Laura's site, oraclereport.com, and every day, actually, there is an update about the energies. In fact, I think it's almost every day, um, mm-hmm. so that you can you know, find out what's going on energetically around the planet. And then uh, next week, next week we'll jump right into all of the energies that are lining up for the spring here. And included that, of course, will be uh, Lilith and Jupiter uh, in, in Gemini and what will be happening around the spring with that. And um, coming up after that, the week will be um, Dear Astro, where we'll be talking about the different emails and so forth that come in for uh, questions to be answered, and I'll be taking callers. Uh, with your personal questions, and so I always, of course, look forward to that. So thank you all for joining me today, and again, thank you, Laura, for being on the show, and everybody, have a stellar week. Thank you for joining us today on Living Astrology. You can reach Janet for readings at www.living-astrology.com or by email at janet at living-astrology.com. Do you have questions about how astrology works or questions about your own chart? Send them to me at dearastro at living-astrology.com. One show each month will be dedicated to answering your questions. Goodbye for now and have a stellar week. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.